I just think that being young, being a young woman actually is like such a huge advantage in dealing with material like that. It's more accessible to me than say like a middle-aged white man or whatever it is, which is the majority of the people that I would be against. Tessa's story is not that far off from things I've lived not too long ago. Welcome back to the Well Now What podcast. I'm your host, Savannah. In this episode, I am joined by Castile Landon. Castile is an actress. She's a writer. She's a director. She does it all. She's only 29 years old, and she's starred and written and directed in so many movies already. It's very impressive, and I absolutely loved speaking with her today. In this episode, we talk about the importance of learning and education in the entertainment industry. We talk if her age has ever stopped her from succeeding, the process of getting a script published and for it to become a film, and her initial reaction when she first booked the After series and the fans' expectations when that came out. We also talk about things like the series Normal People and why aren't there more series like that. And then we also end with like her future goals and where she sees her directing and writing career in the future. I hope you enjoy this episode. I'm here with the insanely talented and beautiful Castile Landon. I'm a huge fan of hers, and I really admire the work that she's done, not only as an actor, but a writer and director. She's accomplished so much at only 29 years old, and I feel as though the entertainment industry is known to have these big gatekeepers, like the producers and the directors, and for them to be quite established in their careers, and for them to be quite older. So for her to have directed, written, and starred in numerous films as a young female is truly inspiring for other young women. She's written, directed, and starred in several films such as Albion, The Enchanted Stallion, Apple of My Eye. More recently, she's the writer and director of the upcoming film called Fear of Rain, starring Katherine Heigl from Grey's Anatomy. She's also just finished filming and directed the last two movies of the After series. And I actually interviewed Anna Todd, the writer of those series, on my podcast. So Castile, before we get into all the movies and success you've had... I read that you attended Harvard for your bachelor's and pursued a master's at the University of Oxford. That's crazy. So what was your experience like and why did you decide to pursue a master's? I'm such an academic. Like if I were not um, doing film, I would be definitely in school, like teaching or getting my PhD, which I still kind of want to do. Yeah, they were both really great experiences. I actually hadn't had an intention really of getting my master's, but I applied for the one program at Oxford, not really expecting to get in. And then I did get in. So it's like, yeah, it's such a, it's such an established institution. Like how could you not go? So um, that was a little bit more happenstance. I mean, not happenstance because I didn't just like get an email saying, Hey, you're going to like, I did apply to it, but it wasn't like I set out to go to a, to a uh, master's program. Yeah. I, I, I love learning basically like really anything. There are so many different subjects that I would love to be able to study in a formal environment. Um, I chose English for my undergrad and then creative writing for my master's, like narrowing it down was so difficult. And I still every day would love to go back and study, you know, sociology, psychology, history. And I think that those subjects really 
lend themselves to film too. Like when I give people advice, whatever that even means, you know, people always ask like, what film program should I go to? And, and like, that's great if that's what you really want to study. But I think having a background in literature or history or science, which my brain doesn't work that way, but I wish it did. I think those are, are, you know, the backbone of storytelling. And then from there, you can, you can learn film techniques. You don't need to necessarily go to to school for that, but you have to have the stories. Otherwise you end up making movies about making movies, which there's a lot of that. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and there's a lot of great ones, but you know, I think it's more interesting if you can find like some corner of the universe that hasn't been exploited. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but you know, told as a story. Yeah, that that's incredible. And um, speaking of that, I heard that you, in other interviews, you consider yourself a storyteller. So you don't write so that you're able to act, you like to convey stories. So as a director and writer, I imagine it's sometimes it can be hard to get your vision across. So what has been your biggest struggle from like the early days being a writer and director to now having a little bit more experience? Well, I initially started writing so that I could act because I didn't see myself as a writer. Mm -hmm. Um, I saw myself as, you know, an actor. And I think that like the change in the trajectory of my career has been one that is accepting that role and, and thriving in that role as a storyteller Um, as opposed to just having the story be a means to an end for me. Like the journey is what matters um, or or is now to me, whereas it it wasn't before. And I think there was a lot of like, in the first two films that I made, they, they were more of a, I don't know the best way to say it, like a mechanism to be able to get to the next step as opposed to, you know, the, the thing that was, the the point of it all. The biggest struggle that I've had is kind of, I think, bifurcated in that there's the external and the internal struggle. And and that's, yeah, um, I guess the the external being uh, like getting financing and, and putting things out into the world and making the contacts um, that you need to make. Cause I'm, I'm not really like personally, I'm kind of a hermit. So to go out there and like sell my wares Mm -hmm. is so not my style. I think it's actually really funny, like sidebar with television shows, because I sold a television show. (laughs) They have like the, the, the main writer of it is called the showrunner. And that person has to go. They don't actually, when you go to sell a television show, they don't actually want to read anything that you've written, which is really weird they want you to go into the room and sell it to do a pitch. And to me, that's like the strangest thing ever because as writers, I think a lot of us want to be holed up in a room and like observing the world and and reflecting on it as opposed to like actually. So it's like the most stage fright you've ever had going in and like trying to pitch it anyways. um, So, so I guess that's a struggle too, but um, the internal struggle I think is, is, probably the hardest thing over the external where it's like you spend so much time um, both in the writing and then in the releasing phase 
and it becomes your baby and you love it usually, hopefully. And then you have to share it for other people. And that's really exciting, but it's also absolutely terrifying because you never really feel like it's enough. Like you, you know, when you, well, I do, I know when I watch something like, you know, oh man, I wish I'd had another day on this or another hour in this scene. And like, this could be better. And so like those tiny little uh, questions you have, or like these little negative thoughts are just amplified by a million when you go to, to put it out into the public. So I think that's definitely the, the biggest struggle is like the mental game. And, and you must be, in your industry, you must have faced a lot of criticism, whether that's an actor or a writer, director, because not everyone's going to like what you do or like your work. So how do you deal with that? Because there's the self, as, as you've discussed, like the self-criticism that you have for your own work. But what about other people's criticism where it's can be quite vocal and you can be all up in your face? So how do you deal with that? Yeah, I don't really deal with it, to be <laughs> honest. I, I, I take the criticism when it's helpful to do so, which is in the development process. Mm -hmm. And then in the edit, you know, you send out a script to get notes, you send out a rough copy, a rough draft of the, of the film to get notes, rough cut. And, and I do that, you know, I I give those rough drafts to people that I, I know will give constructive criticism and who I trust to have, well, whose, whose opinions I respect also, but, but then there's like a level of trust of like, I know they're not going to just, you know, be like on the internet, this sucks, exclamation, exclamation, you know, mad face emoji or whatever it is. And then once, once you get it to a point where it's ready to be released into the world, I don't want anything to do with it again you know mm-hmm. I mean I mean I do from the standpoint of like uh, promoting it and stuff but um but as far as criticism is concerned I don't read any reviews and anytime I start to see something online that looks like it might be at all negative I stay away from it because mm-hmm. there's nothing you can do and and reading anything negative the only purpose it would serve would be to to hurt me um or to make me feel bad about something that I've created so yeah I don't I don't go with all that that's a good mindset and initially when you stepped into um writing and directing did you ever feel feel intimidated um into the entertainment industry because you are younger and um historically it's dominated by men now it's probably changing or maybe it's the other way around where your age other people may may feel intimidated has there ever been that difficulty or um you stepping into that role yeah I I do think that the age thing has had more to do with it than my gender for me personally because my mom ran a company my mom and grandma actually ran a company together um so I was raised by strong women and uh, like it never even occurred to me to think of being a woman as being a barrier. I mean, it's obviously more something that's in my conscious consciousness now because it's become such an issue. And, and I was lucky not to have that as a barrier, but I recognize that many, many, many women, you know, have had that be a barrier um, and the pay gap and all of that. 
But I try not to dwell on that too much. You know, I try, if anything, to use it to my advantage because I know that, you know, I'm in an industry where there aren't enough women. And so I try to look at everything as, as you know, as it can be to my advantage. Um, but the youth thing, that definitely has weighed a bit on me because, you know, you're insecure when you start out. And when you're really young and insecure, it weighs on you. For me, it manifested as trying to over um, overcompensate. And so on my first two movies, especially, I tried to be more serious and tried to, you know, make other people respect me or whatever. And it, that didn't have, it, di- it wasn't effective and it didn't make me happy. Um, I noticed like when I would look back at the pictures, the stills from on set, I would have this like scowl on my face and it's like, why, you know, um, just, just be secure in yourself. So I think it's all about confidence, by the way, like none of that was really anyone else doing that. That's all in my own head. You know, I mean, I think that I've experienced condescension for sure, both because I'm young and because I'm a woman, like from men, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, that's nothing to get overly sensitive to. Um, and for people that don't really know about the entertainment industry, like me, um, yeah. So how difficult is it to get a piece of writing from the production company? And like, how did you secure your, um, initial roles for writing and directing specifically? It's very difficult. Mm -hmm. It's, um, it's, I mean, the duration, the process, the level of difficulty, it's all different in with, with each film. You know, I started out, I kind of tried to game the system by doing family films initially because they're easier to get financed. And so I did that and kind of felt like, oh, I'm getting my foot in the door doing this. Um, but then it came time when I went to do Fear of Rain, people were like, well, she's only ever directed family films. What makes her qualified to direct this psychological thriller? And, you know, people were saying to me like, oh, it would be better if you had been a first time director than if you had directed these other films. And so it's like, well, I mean, there's just so many catch 22s, right? But I mean, like objectively, that's absolutely not true. Whatever experience you have is better than having absolutely no experience, but it's just frustrating. And, and it did feel I mean, now it feels like I I have a little bit more traction and a little bit more, like, more contacts, so it's easier to get indoors. But I expected that to be the case after I had directed two feature films. And then when I went to do my third, which was, like, the first one that I really felt very passionately about, and I knew the material was way better than the other two, it took way longer to get that one going. Um, and to get it into doors. So I, I don't know, it's kind of, it's, it's a weird thing where, you know, it, it doesn't seem to necessarily matter the quality of the project or, you know, the, the traction that you have or the experience. You, I, I mean, I don't know. I'm still learning. <laughs> and do you, are you going like yourself pitching to production companies or do you have a manager that does that for you? I have representation and I, um, I work with producers Okay. So like a producer's job is more, a lot of people don't quite understand the difference between what a director does, what a producer does. Um, the producer does more of like the business side of it, right? So like they go out and get the financing. 
I mainly focus on um, the creative elements of it. So like getting the script where it needs to be, doing a lookbook, casting, all of that kind of stuff. But it is a, it's a joint effort too. So, I mean, yes, like they, they do most of the labor in terms of getting something actually off the ground um, once it's been created by me. But it, it is definitely a joint effort. And when you're directing a movie, do you have like a specific image of what the characters would look like? So how much involvement do you have in casting? Well, when I write, I find anytime I try to write without someone specific in mind, even if it's myself, because I do write, like, I think maybe from my acting background, I've taken that into writing and directing where like I method write or method direct um, and see myself in the characters. Um, If I don't do that, it's very hard for me to finish a script unless I have other source material helping me out. But if it's an original screenplay, I have to see see the characters for sure, whether it's myself, whether it's a specific actor that I'm writing for. Um, almost always I try to find someone to write for. And that means, yeah, in casting, the first round of offers is always to the people that I created it for, if that's possible. I mean, a lot of the time I find myself writing for like, a younger version of this actor. So then you do have this prototype in your head, but you can't just, you know, offer them the role because they're way too old. And then, then it's a matter of, you know, finding that person in the audition process. Um, but you also have to get a certain number of actors who will sell your movie. So in a lot of cases, you can't just audition them. Like, you know, name actors, they don't audition you just have to offer them the role. So, um, and then they can say yes or say no. So there's a, there's a lot of luck or chance to it too. It's not all just something that comes from me, but luckily in my experience, that process has been very collaborative. I've not had like someone breathing down my neck and saying, this is who you have to cast. Okay. Very interesting. And I know you spoke a little bit about fear rain that's coming out early next year. Um, so do you mind, you wrote and directed that movie. So you mind just talking about how that came to fruition and how was your overall experience, um, filming and writing that movie? So that is the longest project that I've had, like to see it through from start to finish. I wrote it and it took about three years to get it financed. And then it was with a big production company. And then that production company, went under and so we got it back and had to restructure it so that it was like half the budget that it was or a third of the budget even that it was previously so we stripped it back um and then made the version that we did so it was a really 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 long process and and it was the first time that I had ever seen um the development process fully so like my previous scripts I wrote a draft maybe like five, six drafts later, that's what we shot. With Fear of Rain, I think we shot draft like 27, I think was the number. Wow. So, um, and and when I say 27 drafts, it's not like, you know, tiny changes. It's like we really restructured the movie and then restructured it. And it was a completely different movie that we shot than the one that I had initially written. 
for the better seeing that. And I'm, I'm kind of lazy, I think initially, maybe everyone's like this. I don't, I don't know other writers processes, but um, for me, like I write a draft and it feels pretty good and I get some notes and I make changes. And then by like draft four or five, I'm ready to go. Um, I don't really, I rewriting is my least favorite process or part of the process, but it's absolutely necessary. And when you have great people to like force you to do it, you're like, Oh wow, this is, yeah, I, I need to stop like resting on my laurels. I need to just do this. But that's how the, that whole movie was. So it was like from, from the very beginning, it was very much like such a learning experience and pushing me to like, do the best I could because the previous films hadn't been these passion projects for me, the way that fear of rain was, um, and still is it's the best experience, but it's also been, it was really, really challenging because I can imagine. Yeah. yeah, You think, you know, all these things and, and you think you're ready to go and it's just, it, it's never done. You know, you're always just pushing it that next to that next level and I think that's really great to be able to learn that. That must have been an incredible learning experience, even though that was a very long process for you. Yeah, it yeah, it was. And to be able to like learn from other people who are way better than me at different elements of it is amazing. That's incredible. And I'm going to ask a little bit about the after series. I know you can't say too much because you just wrapped it up. They're not out yet. Um, but what was your initial reaction? I'm curious to know when you first realized that you booked it. How were you feeling? I was really surprised <laughs> initially. <laughs> I mean, I felt like when I first heard about it, I felt like, oh, I'm the perfect person for this. Like, there's no one who is going to be able to do this better than me um, on this level. Like, yeah, maybe, um, I don't know, someone super, super famous, like Stephen Chbosky, who did Perks of Being a Wallflower. But mm-hmm. short of that, like, I'm the perfect person to direct this. But then after my first meeting with them it took a long time to hear back um and I had it was a really um it was a lot of work like to prepare for the interviews because I I'd seen the first movie when I when I got the first meeting but I hadn't read the books so as soon as they set up the meeting I started reading the books and I don't know if you've read them but they're really really long and so I had to read all of the books. Uh, I didn't have to. I, I chose to read all the books and watched both the movies and then had a meeting and then went to the next meeting. Um, not went to, it was, it was on Zoom and like watched a bunch of comp movies because like each step of the way you have to bring more to the process, right? Or more to to the the people that make the decisions. Um, so initially it's just like a getting to know you. Then it's like, well, what's your vision for the project? Then it's, you know, what are the comparables? What, like you, you just have to add more in and do more work. So, um, it was a long process. And then I expected to hear back and I just didn't hear anything for a couple weeks. And I knew that they'd been interviewing other people. So I kind of assumed, well, I guess I didn't get it. I bought a house in the meantime. Like I really did not think I was getting it. And then I got a call and they're like, Oh, you need to leave in two weeks for Bulgaria. Oh. Um, so yeah, That's I didn't really see it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And 
I guess you said you, you thought you were perfect for the role. What what did you think that you could bring? Um, is it was it your experience? What it was it your vision for it, or what did you think you could like nail this role? I just think that being young, being a young woman, actually is like such a huge um, advantage in dealing with material like that. I'm just a little bit beyond, you know, that like reading that material is not that far from my past. Yes. It's more accessible to me than say like a middle-aged white man or whatever it is. Um, or, or any, any, you know, older man, like, which is the majority of the people that I would be against yes. in yes. getting that job. Yes. Um, it just made more sense to me. Like that is like Tessa's story is not that far off from things I've lived not too long ago. So I felt like I was just made more in touch with, with that world than most other directors. Um, I mean, I guess you could say like maybe a fan could have directed it better than me, but there's probably not a ton of fans who are also, you know, experienced directors. So yeah, I guess that's what I, I mean when I say that. Mm-hmm, that's incredible. And you know, like the fan base is absolutely huge um did you have any expectations on how they would react um when you were first casted as the director (laughs) no I uh, I didn't I had no idea I've never seen a fandom like that um it was pretty extreme and um I don't think the information the information leaked so it wasn't like handled exactly as it wasn't yeah it was it was a bit of a shit show (laughs) um when people found out and I so I got a lot of like really mean things said to me at first um and I didn't know like oh is this gonna pass and luckily the fandom like quickly kind of turned around as soon as they saw that I was really invested in in the story and in the characters and I also was not really on social media hardly at all until I saw the social media being a big part of the series. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I guess I have to step up that whole thing. And quite honestly, it's like another job yeah. managing all of that. It's one thing directing, but then having all these eyes on you and then also trying to be on social media, um, that must be really difficult. So kudos to you for handling that really well. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's been fun. It's been, it's been really cool. Like, I wish that I could have been more active actually with the fan base, like more interactive because, you know, with the NDAs and all of that, like there's, I'm not really allowed to 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 be as collaborative. Yeah. Or to say much like I would have loved to be able to say, Hey, here's, you know, a picture of like, here's two different outfits. Which one do you like better for, this character or whatever it is like that's kind of minor but it's something that I think the fans would have loved and quite frankly I would have loved to be able to have that collaboration um and I think it would have been really cool like particularly with this fan base where when Anna was writing she got that feedback Mm -hmm. on Wattpad right and so like she created it with their feedback so I think to be able to make a film like that would have been really cool but um I was not allowed to. (laughs) 
Well, when it comes out, you can be more interactive, I guess, with the... Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I can interact, but it's like the movies are already made, so there's only so much. But there are things that people would tweet at me or that people would, um, you know, write to me on Instagram about, like, we love this scene, it's really important. And so when I would go to shoot that scene, I made sure that, like, we covered it better or... There are certain lines, little tiny bits that they would say, um, we need to have this in there. And I did put it, put things like that in the in the script, but I would have loved to be able to do that more. And and now at this point, you know, the movies are made. So yes, I can interact, but I can't really get like real-time feedback. So what is your day-to-day like now? I know everyone's kind of in lockdown. You're probably just in editing mode but like where what are your what's your day-to-day and like where do you see yourself down the line um in terms of your career um my day-to-day right now because we're all on holiday break is like not leaving bed I just hang out with my dog and I'm about to go back up to my Kentucky house to um to see my horses um and I hang out with my mom and I don't want her to get sick so we just stay in quarantine haven't seen anyone really since I've been home but once I get back to work, it'll be editing like eight hours a day. I do work out every single day, like two, two or two and a half hours a day. So um, that's a big part of my life. But other than that, I'm pretty boring when I'm not on set working. And where I see myself in, in how long? In five years? Or yeah, in just whatever, in general, year. down the line, where do you kind of hope to see yourself? Well, you know, last year for at New Year's, I I was like doing a lot of soul searching and I really wanted, I, um, I put on my like goals, five-year goals or whatever to direct a franchise film. So I got that within a year, which is exciting. Very exciting. It was very um, And so as far as like moving forward, I think I would love to be doing um, adaptations of books. Um, I want to adapt a book from start to finish which I've already started doing with a, with a certain book. Um, and I would love to do like something like normal people, which oh, I really, okay. really love. Yes. Did you see it? Oh yeah. I read the book too. I loved it. And the series is really good. Usually it's like, it's hard for a series or a movie to be as good as the books, but yeah, it was, yeah. yeah, it was phenomenal. I really liked it. Yeah. I think that the series was better than the book. I just really loved that. I love the simplicity of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it would be really cool to figure out like how to do a franchise mo- movie like that. You know, there's like Wonder Woman, right? Which is a superhero movie, obviously. But like, I want to see, I don't know, maybe maybe Fifty Shades of Grey is a version I, or Twilight is a version where it's like a little more normal people, not, not um, I don't mean that in like normal people, the, the series, I mean like, normal women that are like put into these situations but I guess something that doesn't have like a necessarily a supernatural element but like something that's a big story that you can bring to life um in in a serialized way so that you can the audience can really connect with it um why isn't there more um like series like that like speaking of normal people where there's like it feels like it's like real life people and there's maybe like more nudity. Is it because it's filmed in the, in the UK? Is there something different with like American television or why isn't there more of that? Or maybe I'm just unaware of, of those series. Well, I think there's not a lot of it. I think because people are so like executives are so hyped on 
the superhero stuff because it does make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. They feel like something that is more naturalistic, more of just a um, slice of life kind of story wouldn't be as lucrative. And I think maybe on the big screen, it wouldn't. I don't know. Like, would people go see a bunch of versions of normal people in theaters? I mean, even that, like, who knows what's going on with theaters right now? So Mm -hmm. I guess there's just so many unknowns. But I think that the success of something like that, like people don't want to be the first to do it. But now that that show's been out there, I'm hoping that there'll be more stuff out there like that. And I do think the after stuff is is a little bit more in that vein, which is cool. It you know, it's it's real humans going through real relationship problems, which I love. Yeah. So I guess that's I mean, that's not really an answer to what is what do I want my career to do. But um but I, I do think that, you know, telling stories of real women is is the main focus of my passion, where I want things to go. I love that. And I just have a last question. Um, Do you have any advice for young writers, directors, actors wanting to pursue a career in the entertainment industry? So something you you would tell your younger self when you first started? I think, well, going back to what we talked about at the very beginning, um, education and not just formal education, because I realized that's not necessarily accessible for everyone, both in like a financial sense and, and like a learning sense. Um, like for me, example, like I don't really process when I sit in a science class, it's very hard for me to process, um, or math. Like my brain just doesn't work that way, but I love the concepts of it. And so like, I listen to tons of podcasts about, um, you know, social economics and science, um, that's, that's, taught or, or told in a way that's more like a story, which is what I do understand. Um, so it's not formal education, but just learning about every single thing you can is the most important thing. If you, if you want to get into entertainment, um, I mean, there's a lot of different avenues though. Like you could be an agent, I guess, and that's in the entertainment industry. So there are different avenues, But I'm specifically saying if you want to be a storyteller, then you need to consume lots of different stories in different media. Um, And that could mean formal education. I think that's, you know, obviously great if, if you're able to do that. Studying something that does not have to do with film and television (laughs) Mm -hmm. so that you have stories to write about and then getting yourself in, in the right mental space, because I think feeling like your outlook, whatever you're planning on trying to say is valid. Um, Not letting fear kind of consume you or keep you from striving to do what you want to do. Um, So there's like a balance there, right? Of like being bold, but also being humble enough to always be thirsty for more knowledge. Um, Yeah, I guess that's you know, maybe more philosophical than actual advice, but um, I don't know, just keep keep learning. That's what I'm doing. Yeah, and I think that's that's applicable for any industry. It doesn't even have to be entertainment, lawyer, yeah, whatever, just keep learning. So 
that's that's great advice honestly so thank you so much castile it was great chatting with you learning more about your journey i'm really excited to see fear of rain i know that's coming out early next year maybe um mm -hmm. and as well as the after series so i really look forward to just watching you grow in your career as well so thank you again thank you thanks for reaching out to me i love doing this kind of stuff and that was the lovely Castile Landon. Make sure to check out Fear Rain in February. I'll post the link of the trailer as well as the after series when that comes out. I'm so excited to see the next two films. I think she'll do an incredible job with that. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure to follow me at Well Now at Podcast on Instagram. Subscribe, leave a review if you liked it. See you next week.